This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police, but a crusade of a law. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Off the Rack. I'm Sal. And I'm Tiffany. This is a comic book review and recap show where we take comics from this past week, tell you about what we thought about them, mm-hmm. while also giving you a little bit of a recap, and uh, then we talk about books that we recommend for the next week. But normally, uh, we would do that, but this time around, things are a little different, as you can tell. Uh, number one, I'm dressed nicely, not... Like nicely was yeah, is a relative I, term. I didn't get the memo. No, I'm just I'm trying. I'm just trying out different <laughs> shirts, and so I forgot that it like looked weird on camera. Uh, I also have glasses on. Yeah, um, which I always do. So you do. So you know, maybe they think we're no, but uh, I was caught unawares, and so I had to put on glasses. Right, like I. I had to see right. faster than I had time to get ready. So right. here I am. Um, also, uh, Tiffany, Tiffany is not feeling great. So. Not. I'm not feeling. I'm, I don't know what happened. I mean, I think I know what happened. Yeah. This person in my office who went to the Liberty Science Center with a bunch of kids. Well, that's where they are. And uh, That's where all of the children she are. She was out one of the, like, last week, one day, and then she came back. Yeah. You don't, you don't heal that fast. No. So... No. Just saying. But uh, we will be getting uh, back into the swing of things as we go. Uh, you may, however, see us sooner than you think because we will probably be available on a Twitch channel uh, in the future. Not ours, uh, but rather on one you may have seen me on when I was hanging around on a fun-looking set uh, by a neighboring... This is like the worst burying lead ever. You'll find out, though. You will, yeah. I don't want to say it out loud because we don't have the confirmation email yet. Don't. But... So we are probably we'll, going to go we'll see over there. What happens? Yeah. Anyway, uh, but before we jump into the comics, and I know you're cl- champing at the bit, number one, shorter show today. So we yeah. apologize for that. But that's just me. And also, like, I don't know. Stuff came out. But, like, Stuff came out, but, like, not a lot of that excited me. So, uh, but yeah. that, in addition to the fact that on Wednesday, hopefully you're feeling better by then. I will. Uh, Wednesday, happen. this Wednesday, and you may have seen a fun picture that we through up there on the social media. I love that picture. Um, but I wanted to use the uh, channel's opportunity to tell you guys that we are going to be live at Zap Comics, Z-A-P-P-Comics.com in Wayne, New Jersey. Uh, we're going to be shooting a live episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Not right. live online, but rather live in person. Yeah, which so, is like, I'm just like, oh my God. Like, yeah. I've never felt so much pressure to read these books that we have to read. Yeah. Like, usually I'll read them, like, the day before and, like, refresh the day of, or, like, some of them, right, like, the day, like, of when right before we shoot kind of thing yeah. so that it's, like, fresh. But, like, this is, like, I gotta really know this. Yeah. Like, there's no editing. No. I mean, there will be. I guess it's... I'm gonna I cut guess, it when I... I was gonna when... say, I guess it should be as, like, realistic as possible, like, what yeah. we really do. Yeah, it should be, like, a regular show. But you <laughs> so get those, to see how that goes. So, so you were gonna be there, are gonna enjoy that. So. Yeah, that's the thing, is that, like, we're going to make it a dual experience. If you were there in person, and by the way, it's free, um, so you can show up at 7 p.m. Uh, in Wayne, New Jersey, at uh, Zap Comics this Wednesday, the oh, yeah. 15th of August, uh, and see the show live. Um, we will be shooting it like that. Uh, well, we're going to be shooting it, and we're also going to be performing it live. You'll see the show as it is in its uncut glory, and then I'm going to cut the show and make it look like a regular show. The only difference will be that you'll be able to hear the audience uh-huh. and maybe see them. I don't know if I'll have another camera. Again, we'll, so. we'll have to figure that out. You'll definitely hear the, the audience's reaction, and the audience might be three people, so you might hear three people going like, boo, which, you know, is par it's, for the course. That's going to happen. It'll be me. Boo! Yeah, like, hey, you're on the show. Boo, I'll boo myself. It's your segment. Boo it's me. your book. Boo! But, uh, but yeah, so we're going to be doing that, and we wanted to let you guys know in as much of a like wide range as possible to let you guys have enough time to go. Yeah. Um, if you can't make it, on September 15th, we will be at the Keystone Comic Con uh, on the 15th of September. So, uh, come to the Keystone Comic Con. We're going to have a panel on that Saturday at, uh, uh, I don't remember, I think it's 3 p.m. But anyway, go on Saturday at 9, uh, the, the September 15th, Keystone Comic Con in Philly. You're going to meet us. All the team is going to be there, and we're going to sign posters, and it's going to be a whole thing. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, come right. see that. So Come see us there. And maybe we'll do a thing in Baltimore. We'll see. But these are the certain th- certainties. Right. That's fair. Just, anyway. I was just looking at the chat. Someone said, I feel like Ben should step in when someone's sick. I'm like, nope. 
<laughs> I am a professional. That's right. Unless I am like throwing up, I will be here. Mm -hmm. unless, Plus, Ben's busy. Unless like, I'm asked not to be here because I'm so sick. Exactly. I should have gotten the. Yeah, I, the, I have one of those cat masks. Yeah, one it's of those like Japanese-inspired cat masks. It's the angry cat. Just... Yeah. So anyway. uh, we've got a bunch of books. Well, a few books, really. So let's yeah, jump into them. We have a few books, but we've got two big books and then one I think you just wanted to talk about. I think we should start with one big book, do the one you want to talk about, and then end with another big book. That's my, pro my proposal there. All right. What book are we going to do? I think we should start with um, Sandman, uh, the Sandman Universe, I should say. Okay. Um, by uh, DC Vertigo, obviously. Yes. Um, story by Neil Gaiman. Let's pay attention to that part. Story uh -huh. by, which is I think is important because he was that involved enough for them to be able to put story by. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> so much so that his face, there it is. There's, there's there, Neil Gaiman's there he face. Is, there's Neil. Hello. It's just Neil just hanging out. Um, they put the credits in the back, so just give me one second. He's um, so friendly and unassuming, I don't really have an impression of him. No, it's just kind of like, I hello, just... I have a big library. <laughs> uh, it was written by Simon Spurrier, Kat Howard, Nalo uh, Hop Hopkinson, and Dan Waters, with art by Bill Quis Evely, Tom Fuller, uh, Dominique Stanton, Max Fumiara, and Sebastian Fumiara. Um, there's a reason for all of these artists and writers in here, um, simply because of the fact that this is one of those books that's like, hey, this is the kickoff right. for a bunch of books that are coming. So hopefully everybody kind of knew that going into it, because otherwise it's kind of like, what's happening? However, I think this is a really well-handled version of that type of story, where it's just like, we need to thread together a bunch of books, and they do so with an overarching story, oh, cool. or overarching, whatever you want, um, story like that kind of makes it work in a mm -hmm. way and only a way that like Neil Gaiman probably did propose you know where it was just like this is how we're going to do it this is how we're going to introduce these four books that are coming up because don't forget post this comic we'll be getting uh, The Dreaming Books of Magic will be returning to us House of Whispers which is an all new house and Lucifer will be back Yeah. Um, so you get a sampling of each of those in here okay um and I assume it, it's like, because they don't really give you credits pages in between. It's not like it's little vignettes. Right, it so it's one in... full comic. Oh, cool. Um, from start to beginning, there's no break, essentially. And no ads, um, either. No ads. There's only ads in the like, back, and by ads, it's just for like Vertigo trying to pump it up, because it is a huge anniversary for Vertigo, of course. Yeah. Um, but, of course, we see that it's like DC Vertigo yet again, instead of just being Vertigo. Fine, mm -hmm. whatever. I don't really care. Um, yeah, like, they're not I, buying it do, because it's a... Yeah. But I Like, don't. people are not buying it because it doesn't say DC on the cover. Right, right. Like, um, but, um, essentially, um, this book is you know, giving us our, our big setup. Um, and I, I assume each part is written by the writer that's going to be writing I their was, books. I would assume. That makes sense. Um, each section of art, or each section of the book section, section, um, is done by a different artist. Okay. But they all have the same colorist, which I think is the most Interesting unifier. Uh, yeah, it's like such an intelligent way to tie this whole book together because some of the styles are very different. Um, the Lucifer style in particular, very different from Books of Magic, very different from House of Whispers, but the color unifies it overall, like you said, um, and it just really helps, I think, with the read because you're focused less on the jarring nature of like having the art shift because you notice it, but because of the color like cohesiveness yes it feels like one like, story it's less like oh it's just kind of interesting yeah um essentially this book starts off where we're in um the dreaming we're at like the castle and like lucian's in the library and like he's having a rough time remembering certain things and like he's like going through all the books of course the books that are are unfinished stories unfinished sonnets unfinished songs things were never written things that were dreamed of by creators just they're all there that's now what the library that, is. that library was established in the sandman of book course. but also touched upon in dark knight's metal exactly exactly and there's really like one really interesting part for this i think for overall for like comic book readers as a whole um because lucian you know how they do that thing where they um where they like bold certain words that are of importance. Yeah, they stress words, certain words. It words might be that words that you would never say necessarily. No, with, like, it's that kind of emphasis. yeah. I remember uh, just a quick aside. I remember reading Dark Knight Strikes Again for the first time in two thousand one. Yeah, and there's a line in there, and I remember trying because like there were weird emphasis on words, but they yeah. weren't like important words. They were just kind of like regular action words. Um, and I remember like trying to read the stresses out loud and how like no one talks the way the stresses are put exactly. on them. Exactly. And that's when I realized like, oh, you want me to have like to to 
have a mental emphasis on them, but not necessarily a, a verbal emphasis. Right, right. Because I remember there's a line I, I've committed to memory. Unfortunately, it's it's Batman talking to Superman. Exactly. And he says, uh, "You tell me what I want to know, and you do what I tell you to do." Like, and I'm like, no one has ever said anything like that in the history of mankind. Maybe Batman. Also, does. like, yeah, thanks. Well, there goes like one sonnet from the Tempest. Right. <laughs> so please, yeah. So what are some words uh, that they emphasize? So without, like making at it... one point, Lucian is talking about um, just what's filling the library, and this is again, like, I thought this was so interesting, and like, since they're making it DC Vertigo, and like, while it is in its own universe, I'm like, you could totally use this. Yeah. DC, you could totally use this, like, this this, this, this device. Out. Yeah. Because um, he says, um, even those titles martyred, emphasis, by retcon, are here erased but unforgotten. I was huh. like, so, like, things that like, they've retconned, you could just be like, no, they're all here. Yeah. Oh, like, they're still the they're in the stories. They, with, they're in the library. And we could refer to them or go to them at any time. Yep. Um, Lucian is supposed to have all his knowledge, but he's having a hard time with it. Um, and that's when, like, they're like, everyone's like, hey. There's a really big problem in the dreaming. And okay. like Lucian shows up and he looks up at the sky and there's a huge crack in the dreaming. And they're like, huh. And everyone's like, That's a problem. Lucian, like, I know you kinda like were left in charge here and stuff like that, but like this might be above your pay grade, so we should probably get Dream back here. Okay. So they're like, How do we find Dream? How do we know where he is? So they call upon Matthew the Raven, who we've seen, of course, in Sandman before, um, okay. from Swamp Thing. Um, fame, but um, ravens are known to know things. They just know them. He doesn't know how he's going to find them. Like they just give him a hard time about. It. They're like, you're going to know. You just know how to do it. You're a raven. You're going to figure it out. Go now. Go. Go find him. Okay. Go find him. And he is the device upon which we touch on the other stories. He goes through all the stories. He okay. goes through all the stories, seeking out dreams. So first of all, he's got to escape the dreaming. So he checks out what's going to be going going on a little bit in the dreaming. And we stop in on this um, dream that this woman's had. He's like, all right, my first like thing. I'm going to find someone who's dreaming, and I'm going to wake up with them. Because like I've got to, I'll wake them up and that's how I can get out of the dreaming. Yeah. Okay, cool. So he finds this old lady, and this chick shows up named Dora, and um, she's a newly introduced character, I believe. Um, and um, essentially, she's like, "You can't wake this woman up. Like she's having a really great dream, and like it's a truly like inventive dream where like Matthew's like, usually it's people having anxiety and like it's about real world stuff and like whatever. And like this is like some like fantastical thing that's going on where there's like a huge dining hall and she's making food for everybody and there's like song and dance and like okay, it's a really like it's very like vivid imagery that's going on in, yeah. in this. And like of course the artist can have an amazing time doing all this stuff and like it's a dream, it's, so. it's a feast for the eyes." And a feast, of course, for the stomach. Because um, <laughs> there are pancakes involved. Oh, um, even better. But um, Dora's like, you can't wake her up because, like, you know, you, you just can't do it. And um, she, of course, is angry at Dream because, like, he made her a promise that he didn't keep. But he made it as Morpheus. Oh. And, like, shortly before his transition. Have we seen this character before? Uh, no, is my understanding. Oh, okay. It's been a while, so... Um, but there's a new book called The Dreaming, so right. she's gonna believe gonna be play, play a part in that, and also House of Whispers. Okay. Um, but um, anyway, she tells us about the old woman about how the old woman is dying basically in mm. the real world, and like oh. so this is kind of what she has left. Gotcha. And like so like she doesn't allow Matthew to wake her up, and like kicks them both out of the dream, and then um, he goes off and finds um, books of magic the story, the books of magic and okay. Tim and like Tim um, has a dream and he wakes up from it and has to run off to school mm -hmm. where we get a little introductory where this story is going to go. Right. And like, just how like, you know, there's like a new teacher for him and how like his old teacher was murdered, but he can't see it. And like Matthew's like, I want to help, but I got to go. I got to, I got stuff to do. So you're going to have to have your own adventure. Bye. Right. So he like bails on him and we kind of get an idea of like, all right, I get a little like taste of where this story might go. And like, honestly, like do, they do a really good job of leaving us on like the murder page. <laughs> yeah. Murder. Um, and then he pops off to what House of Whispers is going to be where he's just checking in there this one's kind of more or less like he's observing the story between um these two women who um are they have a relationship and um one of the women has like two sisters two younger sisters and like essentially it just it comes out that like one of them doesn't know that the older sister's gay okay. and like their dad is i guess i guess it kind of broke up the family in a mm. sense like you're kind of getting like this like piecemeal parts of the story because it's just an intro and essentially like it's the idea like like the girl who's going to be coming into their lives, like, it gives them each a charm bracelet, and, like, the one who's having a real hard time with it, like, throws in the river, and it, like, becomes a person, and, like, he's just like, oh, I'm, like, entangled with their story, and this woman saves him mm -hmm. and takes the bracelet, 
and says like, no, I'm go- I'm meant to be entangled in their story. Okay. And like how like their the, her stories that she's involved with never end happy. Mm. And like so like that's where you're like, oh, where's going? Where's this going? The House of Whispers. Okay, let, let's move it on. Yeah. So Matthew leaves there, and he likes like, all right. So I know there's like two people I could probably sense in this world. It is um, it's. Dream and Lucifer. Oh. And he ends up seeking out Lucifer because he's just like, Lucifer would know where Dream is. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to find Lucifer and like everything's messed up for Lucifer because like essentially what happened was at the end of the day, Lucifer decided that while he can't be a, like, he's like, I can't be a father but my blood does walk the earth and what I'm going to do is not let what my dad did to me by screwing me over because right. like that's his ultimate like, haha mm-hmm. was like I that I would repeat what he did to me. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to a place I'm not meant to be and find his mother. Oh. And in order to do that, like I have to cast off all these things and all these symbols and like it involves ravens and how essentially like mm-hmm. um the raven is the symbol of Lucifer and like so he collects all these ravens and like tortures them okay and then like rips their beaks off and like so Matthew runs into a, like one that's a ghost and he was left oh, there. Okay. And like Matthew's like, you're meant to move on. Like, you're meant to go. And he's just like, I can't. So inevitably, like, Matthew does show him the way. But we find out that that Lucifer is off on this crazy adventure. Adventure, yeah. And, like, it's like, what could he possibly be doing? And he's trapped somewhere. Okay. And so, like, Matthew's like, damn it. Yeah, this is all very very interesting. And I'm sure I'd love to know how all these adventures turn out. But I I can't. I have to have my own. I got a job to do. And, like, every stop along the way has not helped me. So inevitably, he, like, picks up a trail. And he's like, I think I found him. And he goes into an alleyway. And, like, he thinks he that he should be there, but by the time he lands, it's like when you wake up from a dream and you can't quite remember everything correctly. Mm. So he's, like, for a second, he doesn't even know what he's doing there. Mm. And, like, it's clear that Dream is attempting to get away from him. Oh. Um, and so, like, at the end of the day, we do see Daniel Hall in this alleyway, and then Matthew goes back. The crack is bigger than ever. Lucien goes to talk to, or, like, talks to Matthew. It's very obvious that Lucien's starting to, like, lose his memory. Mm. Lucien, of course, used to be a raven, um, so that's why he knows so much about what Matthew's able to do. Okay. And he's just like, things are worse than you'd imagine. And they come to the wall of, like, artifacts that each of the Endless has, and that's how they communicate with yeah. each other. Um, and that's Lucian had originally tried to do that with Dream's mask, mm-hmm. and we see Dream's mask the, and the picture frame co- like collapsed on the floor, and he's like, "I think he quit." Oh, and like that's how it ends, where it's just like, "Well, that can't be." Right. Like you have to have Dream the Endless. So. Yeah, we've done that before, so um, we know. Like, so like it's interesting because it's like here we have another example of like it's like, it's a sequel. Yeah. Um, at least it comes from the heart of the original creator, unlike. With like again, whatever you feel about Watchmen, oh, where it's yeah. just like, here's a classic, and now we're gonna do a sequel to it, yeah. and at least the person who was originally involved with it is still someone yeah. involved with it. Didn't but, write it. No, but each of these books are not gonna be written by him. No. So I'm like, I'm excited, and I'm and I'm not at the same time because mm-hmm. like I'm like it's really cool for people who were not into Sandman to now have something that like is you can kind of penetrate this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's something that like even if you don't. Um, like, no Sandman in the universe. Like, this is an, an interesting place to start. Right. And it'd be kind of, like, cool to see someone who read this first and then went back and read Sandman. Oh, yeah. To, like, figure out what happened. And not even just, like, you know, different, like, stories and, like, different ways of telling it, but literally just, like, how that lore is going to work out for them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, do I think Sandman needed a sequel? No. No. Not necessarily, but, like, at least Neil was involved, and I'm still going to pick a bunch of these up. If yeah. I'm going to at least pick up one of each of the new ones. Um, sure. If you're wondering, The Dreaming will come out September 5th. Um, House of Whispers will come out September 12th. Books of, or no, Lucifer comes out October 17th. The Books of Magic, October 24th. Okay. So they are going to spread these out. Um, cool. And like, I'm, like, at the very least, I'm definitely, I'm going to try to stick with all of them. But like, um, Dreaming, The Dreaming is the one I'm going to definitely uh, hang on yeah. to. Because, I don't know. I'd like to see what they're going to do with this and what... Because gaming, obviously, is going to be like, this is where I want the story to go. You right, write it. Right. So, I'd like to see what he I like. wonder if, like, uh, editorial oh, no, I... has a decision to make and they want to do something and they kind of told Neil to go in that direction. Or if he's like, I'll only do it if I get to tell you where I want the characters right, to Right, exactly. And it'll be interesting to see also with, like, DC embracing Vertigo in such a way now if we see any of this crossing over at any point in the future more so than we have as of late, which is more than I ever expected. Yeah. Um... And um, also, there's like a thousand variants. If you're a variant hunter, like I got the David Mack one. Oh, okay, um, cool. So there you go. Nice. Um, <clears throat> so there you have it. I guess you recommend that book. I do. Yeah, I do. I think it's an interesting way to delve into it. The way it's written is like a little easier, I think, 
on um, to to get into than sometimes when Neil writes because he's a little more flowery, mm-hmm. a little more obtuse. Yeah, um, but like, yeah, but he's not, but he's not hard to get. No, 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 he's certainly not. But I think this is an interesting introduction into this style of storytelling, and yeah. then like to go into Sandman proper. It's really up to you because, like, they're trying to obviously. They know that there are people who read Sandman first who are going to read this, and there are people who've never read Sandman. That's true. Who are going to get into this? Yeah. So let's hope anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, get Swifty. 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 I suppose. Yeah. yeah I was I trying to read it phonetically. No, I yeah. think it's Swifty. It's, get Swifty. Uh, says uh, love comic pop. Oh, thank you very thank much. You. Uh, Jamal Kino. Hope you feel better, Tiffany, and I hope you guys do great in your upcoming live show. Thank, thank you very you much. Thank you very much. By the way, there is a live show happening, and in case you are have missed the announcement, come to Zach Comics in Wayne, New Jersey, on Wednesday at 7 p.m. We'll see you then. Uh, Sol Serrano helping us out in the super chats. Mr. Roboto asking us, I'm late. Uh, Silent Tiffany does the improv. Uh, I guess if you're from the 90s. Yes, uh, good timely reference to. No, to... I, I just like exposed brick. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, and, and I wanted to have lovely. an op- Like, we wanted an option to, like, do something different yeah, over there. Yeah, I just love exposed brick, let's yeah, be honest. It's cool. I, if I could have it in my house. The original studio almost was going to have exposed I brick. I know, I love that wall. Yeah, it was such a oh, great wall. That it's wall. just, it would have been a quarter of, or a tenth of the size. Exposed brick. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked. No. Um, um, and uh, Rusky9110, was Books of Magic a series before, or is this a new concept? It was a series before, and it's something you could go back and, and read more about. It's a very interesting concept in the Vertical Universe. I suggest you, you give it a look. Yes, definitely. Check it out. Absolutely. Um, I guess we'll talk about Amazing Spider-Man number three, or 805, or something, whatever Yeah, go for it. Is. I'd love to, to uh, hear some about it. Um, yeah, uh, 804, actually. Uh, this is, of course, written by Nick Spencer, with art by Ryan Otley. Continuing uh, the 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 dream team, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's just the team that's working on the book right now. But uh, man, I am still not sold on Ryan Otley's art. That's fair. I think that's uh, uh it's 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 stylized. Anytime did, that yeah. something is super stylized and not the norm, I think it's difficult for people to get into it, regardless of the way it's stylized. Yeah. Um, you know, like if it's not something you're used to seeing, it, it obviously. You know. Right. I mean, and, and I saw a lot of conversation about it in the chat before we started the show, and they were saying, like, what is it about Otley's art that is making me so off-putting? Some people said it was the teeth. He definitely draws, like, individual teeth. Uh-huh. Uh, I think it's just every... It's, it's a very angular style. Yeah, it it he, has a soft... It, it implies a softness, but well, it actually everything's, like, sharp. Well, the coloring implies a softness, and so when you, like, put that up against, like, his, like, intense angular heavy line art because like you'll see on the edges of peter face like peter's face he has a lot of like different line variation Mm -hmm. but like it it isn't like there's no there are curves but it's not like a curve like like a bagley right right you know yeah um so yeah jumping into the book itself let me just get us back here (laughs) it's us uh yeah hey uh getting to that back to the book itself uh so here's what happens uh tell us we were talking a little we were doing a lot of speculation about like why they were doing an homage to the clone saga and they were just i think it's spencer hitting all the beats he's playing with a lot of like different ideas um a lot of different like things about legacy and what you and expectations when it comes to spider-man which is why he was like let's do an homage i'm doing a spider-man versus peter parker kind of story mm-hmm. let's do an homage to the clone saga by using like the straight up like clone saga image but right. done in ryan Otley style um no clones, no nothing. In fact, it was set up in the beginning of the issue or mm-hmm. the beginning of the story. Uh, Doc Connors and whatnot are working on the special like matter transference splitting machine. It makes duplicates of you. It, it it separates you from yourself, so it makes like two different versions of you. Okay, that's how like Kurt Connors can like separate himself from the lizard and so forth. Okay, uh, or at least he's trying to, but it's not. He hasn't worked, he hasn't worked all the bugs out of it. Uh, when um, the Taskmaster and Eric O'Grady robot throw Peter into the machine, or, yeah, Peter into the machine, it separates him and Spider-Man, so Spider-Man is now, like, a separate entity, but it's Spider-Man from Peter Parker. Okay. So it's like the concept of Spider-Man is a person. What happens when you lift with the mask? Uh, I don't know. We've never seen that. My guess is it's a blank face. It's, like, horrifying. It can't be just a blank face. It has to have some kind of nose to push the thing out. I know, I know, but I think there's no face under there. But, like, the idea is that Spider-Man is his own person over there. Okay. Uh, And so, um... We open the story with Spider-Man on a double date with Ooh. Mary Jane, who is, of course, he's back together with. Right. And they're sleeping together, and they're like practically living together. Mm. They're not living together yet, because I think they make a point of saying like they have to go to their respective places. Okay. But uh, they have gone on a double date with uh, uh, Peter's roommate, uh, Robbie Robertson's nephew, or son. I don't remember uh, the difference. Uh, but Randy Robertson. And uh, they brought along Nora Winters, who used to work for Frontline. Okay. And they used to date, and they thought it'd be funny to bring, like, two uh, former 
dating people That's together. That's not funny. It's not at all, but like it clearly is setting up like a meet cute, like maybe they'll get back together. It's kind of cute. Right. Um, and then uh, Nora sees on her phone that apparently like there's some crazy shit happening in Midtown and Spider-Man needs to go. And Mary Jane's like, Peter, don't you need to go? And he's like, actually, I don't. And you're like, why? Oh, no. And then uh, there's a lot of, like, fourth wall breaking uh, funny stuff going on where, like, the thing that's attacking Midtown is the Tri-Sentinel, which is a, uh, a holdover from the 90s. In fact, another reference to the Clone Saga because Spider-Man fights the Tri-Sentinel when he gets the cosmic powers. Mm-hmm. And he also fights the Tri-Sentinel uh, as Ben Riley during the Clone Saga. Okay. So we're like, oh, clones again. We're not doing clones, but moving on. Right. Uh, but so Spider-Man engages the cl- the the Tri-Sentinel, and they're making references to like nostalgia and whether like this was a, an, an earned fight or whether we're just doing it to like tread mm-hmm. uh, the ground we've gone on before. And then the whole book's a flashback about like how we got to where okay. we are. Okay. And the idea is that after Spider-Man defeats the Taskmaster and Black Ant, he takes Peter Parker and the two of them have a conversation where they basically establish, okay, you're me, I'm you. And they basically decide, like, before we figure this out, let's just keep this going. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is something that Peter Parker would never do, but whatever, let's pretend, like, Peter Parker will actually do things that I want him to do in some day in the future. <laughs> so, uh, but the two of them, it's basically reads out like, and by the way, more clones. If you've ever read the old What If Volume 1 story, What If the Clone Survived? Okay. It works exactly like that. Uh, there's a story where, imagine, if you will, a reality where uh, instead of at the end of the original Clone Saga, uh, the clone of Peter Parker had died and thrown into a smokestack and disappeared forever. It actually survived. Now, try to imagine that kind of reality. But in this comic that took place before the 90s clone saga, right. they play with that convention and basically the idea is um, he doesn't die and after some chicanery, they decide to like become alternating Spider-Mans. Okay. Where he's like, you know, it's it's a punchline. It ends with like, uh, you know, so I'll get the bed, you get the couch, I'll get Mary Jane, you get Doc Ock, I'll be Spider-Man Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and you'll take every other Saturday or something like that. Right. And they're like, okay! And that's kind of what happens here. So, wait, so Peter still has spider abilities? No, as he turns out, he does not have spider abilities. All his Spider-Man went to the Spider-Man okay, avatar. Okay, so he is, he's, just, he's just a dude. So he's just a dude now. Okay. Uh, and Spider-Man or the, the guy in the costume who is Spider-Man, uh, he is kind of like, let's, like, he, he's he's all Spider-Man. So he's funny, and he's quippy, and he's... Does that mean that Peter Parker's not quippy? He's still quippy, but like... <laughs> but less so. Less so. This Spider-Man's more quick to action. Okay. He's more like, okay, adventure, ha Like, he has no regard for being Peter Parker. He's not like, well, what about Mary Jane? Yeah, he's not, like, weighed down by, like, the responsibilities of being a regular person. Oh, and the- not even with Mary Jane, but just, like, I have to go to What about Aunt May? Or what to, about my yeah. rent? Yeah, and it's all about, like... All the power, none of the responsibility. So, well, that, that's interesting. I wonder, does this continue? It does. Uh, okay. The idea is uh, Peter goes to Doc Connors to try and get to the bottom of it, and Doc Connors explains, like, you know, all the ideas behind the, the, the machine that created him. Um, he doesn't know, of course, that Spider-Man and Peter Parker are split. Um, so he's just kind of talking about it in a theoretical sense, talking right. about like a, this, this up, applying to a lab rat they tried. Sure. But uh, what they found out was uh, when Doc Connors asks Peter to hand him a scientific device, Peter Parker doesn't know what the hell it is. And he knows that he should know what it is, but he doesn't remember it. So all the science parts of him are gone too. Why? Those are in, Peter, those are in Spider-Man. Because Spider-Man uses that part of his brain to be Spider-Man, I guess. I guess. We don't really get into it, but okay. we know that... Peter, uh, that Spider-Man uses the science part of Peter Parker's brain to deactivate the Tri-Sentinel while Pete's getting to the Maybe bottom. Maybe he can't use it when Spider-Man's using it. Like, it's a shared knowledge base. I think that could be what it is. So and maybe, like, like, while Spider-Man's a- in action, oh, Peter Parker doesn't have powers. And while P- Spider-Man's using his brain, Peter Parker can't be well, smart. Well, hopefully, then, like, nothing will attack when Peter has to take his finals. Right. <laughs> well, that's the idea. I think we're going to wrap this up probably the next day, like, issue okay. or two. But uh, ultimately, what we find out is that, like, they don't understand the scope of this problem. And what if, you know, what if everything, you know, whatever. The idea is that, like, what if Spider-Man had no responsibility? 
Right, and, and potentially could turn into like a there. It can't be a Spider-Man without a Peter Parker. Right, uh, or the Spider-Man that would have been the Spider-Man without Peter Parker. We would probably get a get a revisiting of the Spider-Man who was like, man, I did a great job. Maybe I should try this in professional wrestling or do this on TV. And it's right. like, it regresses all the way back. So probably Peter Parker's going to have to teach Spider-Man the lesson. Right, as long as like Aunt May doesn't get shot by a burglar. Right, which, well, we've already done that before. So, <laughs> But uh, we have seen the story before and it's very like, you know, okay... Like, have we seen Spider-Man literally separated from Peter Parker as, like, a, an entity unto himself? No. Have we seen the idea of the duality of Spider-Man and Peter Parker, like, a million times? But, like, that's a theme and a trope, so sure. why not explore it in a new way? Yeah. I'm willing to give this the benefit of the doubt, but it's a lot of... Well, it could also be a way for um, Spencer to... If he's trying to make the point... Now, we don't know necessarily at all. Like, if he's trying to bring the two back together yeah just the idea of being like no see spider-man without peter parker is a, is a reckless individual it's, a, it's more force of nature than anything yeah. else you know like he needs that part of him and that responsibility yeah to others. and it could be that like what'll happen is peter's trying to convince spider-man to join with him yeah spider-man's like no i'm having too much fun somebody gets hurt that he cares about in the mm -hmm. process and he realizes he needs him yeah um it's gonna be like that calvin and Hobbes, uh, the duplicate evil and good uh duplicate story where, you know, anyway, go go look at Calvin Hobbes. It's a great strip. It's transcendental. <laughs> so, but I think it's fun, and the art was pretty was pretty cool. Again, like all of his action is great. Uh, yeah. Ryan Otley's pencils are very kinetic. Um, well, but, it helps too that in those when he is doing the action sequences, he's drawing Spider Man and not Peter Parker. So yes. I think it's easier to enjoy those for those who don't like the way he does his faces. Uh huh. Necessarily, but there is quite a bit of of, of Peter Parker, which there yeah. should be, by the way, there should be an equal proportion. Of yeah. Spider-Man and Peter Parker story. Right. I don't necessarily mind the art, but, like, I'm also, like, not as connected to the character the way that you are, necessarily. Yeah. It feels wrong. It's, it really does. Like, it, it's it's a lot of work for me to, like, not see it be weird. I understand. Cause, like, and, by the way, I don't, I don't know what my problem is. Like, because I like Invincible. I think it looks, like, fun. And it's... Right. But like, there's something about it being Spider-Man. I'm like, this looks like not anybody. Right. And they could have gotten anybody else. I mean, like, I didn't like Kevin Coley's art mm -hmm. at all. But at least it felt... Like it, I don't know. It was okay. it was just bad as opposed to wrong. Right. This feels wrong. Okay. I don't know why. And by the way, I don't think it's really that bad. It's just... Like, I don't think it's an affront to the character. Yeah. I think, like, they probably worked really hard to get Otley on this book. Right. Again, though, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It's something about it. Something yeah. about it. And it could be because of, like, the rapidity through which we're getting to what people want. Like, Mary Jane and Spider-Man got together in the first issue. Whoa. Like, we've been building towards this. What are we going to do now? Like, yeah. how do we... You could stretch this to a year of them getting back together. And right. people would have been really happy to see that. But why? Like, everything feels weird. Right. Okay. That's like, fair. Yeah. So, I don't know. And it could be because, like, it's just... It's been 10 years since Slot was off the book, so maybe, like, the fact that it's so not Slot, Dan Slot's Spider-Man yeah. that it feels weird. Yeah, you don't know how to, to... I don't know how to process it. You've got, um... I'll come up with it at some point. Okay. When, when I'm not feeling well, my brain's just like, no. Yeah, but no. I will say, uh, the one thing that was really kind of nice, though I thought it wasn't as good as it should have been, was the two-page, uh... Dedication to Steve Ditko's passing. Yes. Um, first of all, completely were it's it belongs in an Amazing Spider-Man book. It should also yes. be in Doctor Strange. It should yes. probably be in all the Marvel books. I think it's in Fantastic Four. I think it is too. Um, but it should be in all the Marvel books because like the same thing happened with Len uh, Len Len Wine. Yeah. Um, but uh, Ween Ween Wine. Wine. I don't recall. But uh, I don't know. It felt like a really fast Photoshop job, and it had like three quotes, and they were from. Like, people, like, the editor-in-chief, the, the Joe Casada and Nick Lowe, one of the other associate editors, like, that's it? That's probably the way that they would do it, though, because it's not a, like, it's not a comic book creator's, um, like, tribute. It's Marvel's, and so typically you have, like, the, the heads of the company yeah. do something like that. So, like, that's probably what it is. That doesn't mean that they, others won't do something more mm -hmm. than this, but, like, Marvel had to do something. Um, yeah. And I think they probably wanted to do something that was, like, uh, tasteless in a way. Yeah. I don't know. It felt really weird. Like, yeah. it, it looked good, but it also felt f like, like kind of slapdash. I understand. I know they needed to get it done in a quick, in a quick amount of time, but like... Yeah, I, I mean, I did like the Spider-Man stuff and then like saying that it was work that mattered. It wasn't just like the creation of these like characters. Yeah, it wasn't just like, like a picture of him in a, in a, in a quote. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Like, I, I liked... Of course, I liked that first image of Strange. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I mean, like, he did 
bring us that and like for that i'm like mm-hmm. endlessly thankful um yeah but yeah i will say you know it's funny in terms of art and design uh, this is just because I saw it recently. Like, I really like the info page for uh, Spider-Man. It's really nice. It's really well put together. It's really nice. Most designed. of the time, it's usually an afterthought. It is, or it's like it's too busy and like you kind of can't read the words over it, but this is just really well thought out, mm-hmm. and I hope that they continue it. It would be nice yeah. even, to have like actual graphic designers Even having things. like the little Spider-Man symbol at the bottom underneath yeah. there to take up the space that they obviously had to utilize. Smart. Just, yeah, just, just smart, smart work. design. So whoever they got, whatever intern they had working on that, right. nice job. <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, let's jump into the super chats while we get ready for the next book. Sure thing. Um, here we go. Uh, Mr. Roboto, Angry Pete reminds me of Spider Girl. Yeah, a little bit. He's got a, it's got a kind of like angular female face. Mm. Um, Joshua Wright, what do you think of Marvel putting the same character on the cover of every book for special events? Like the Fantastic Four now or Venom's 30th. They've done that before, yeah. Like Deadpool, Gwen Stacy, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think for me it works for certain characters like those two mm-hmm. because it's like their fourth wall breaking. Yeah. Like it makes sense for them to do that. Um, I don't know how I feel about it overall. No, like, I don't like it. It's it's kind of weird. Like It feels almost deceptive. Like maybe they'll buy it if Venom's on the cover. Yeah. I know it's not because it's a, it's a standard practice where like everything has it. Yeah. But like, I remember when they did those Jim Lee variants from the trading cards and every book had a Jim Lee variant. Yeah. But they didn't even think about which Jim Lee variant to put on the book. Yeah. So it's like, hey, you know, like uh, if it's a character, if it's a if it's an X Men villain or character that's been on a lot of Spider Man books, put that character on the Spider Man comic. Right. They didn't even think about that at no. all, and right, that would have been really cool, but they didn't do it. Uh-oh. I'm too warm. I'm too, I've gotten too I know. Warm. We, we, we're, we're sacrificing comfort for the art because, yeah. you know, the air conditioner messes with the audio. Too warm. But, uh, but yeah, it's like, it's really weird, and I don't like it. Okay. I mean, I understand, overall. like, a, a, it's interesting, because, like, the Fantastic Four now, it's a huge thing. Yeah. Venom's 30th, I understand that. Like, maybe they should have just done it for books that he was truly a part of. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's, I don't know. It's an interesting idea, and like, of course, I love seeing fun, cool covers. But like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was. It, it's that's that's my answer for that question. There you go. Um, Silvery Cricket. It re- it really feels like a story out of the '60s. Webman. I think that's why it felt kind of off to me. Yeah, I guess it does feel like a '60s story. It feels like an older story, but it's also referencing itself. Mm. I don't know. I it doesn't feel it, it's it doesn't feel anything like. Nick Spencer's Captain America to me. No. Like Nick Spencer's Captain America felt like a like a like a modern comic. This feels weird. I don't know what it is. Right, right, right. <laughs> but uh yeah, and Theron Smith, my greatest fear is Sal breaking into my home, throwing me to the ground and violently teaching me comic book history. Sounds like an awesome time. You have nothing to fear. I'm never going to do that, but uh if I do, you know, at least you know, we'll get a slice of pizza after. The only reason that anyone would break into anybody's house it would probably involve Ben and daring him to do so. Yes. I bet you can't kick in that door. Oh, bet Goosh, I can. B and E. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the next uh, next title we're doing? I think it's the, the next title and like probably the last title because I I looked over Superman. I didn't finish fully reading. I'm not it, reading it. But um, I put my, my I put my money where my mouth is. I said I didn't like Man of Steel and I don't yeah. like Venice on Superman. No, I checked. I'm gonna it need out. to be convinced. Yeah, I checked it out a little bit. Like, so I don't read it. Yeah, it's Rogelzar. Oh my God. It's no more. It, I, I did. I saw the beginning. There was like one really cool image at the beginning mm-hmm. where there was like this um, Tamaranian armor, armor, or uh, army. My God, my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, army that was going to be facing off against the Thanagarians, oh. and the Thanagarians brought Rogelzar to the battlefield, and like the Tamaran like leader or like general or whatever was just like you know we're gonna show them who's boss. Yeah, for Tamaran, and they're like oh, Rogelzar retreat. And I was like, oh but like God. the visual of like all of these like oh, these really cool warriors, right? From... But they're like wearing the Starfire purple. Like I'm like, it's just they look like it's really cool. Tamarin. I was like, that's fun. Damn it. Damn it, Rogelzar. Remember, Rogelzar must appear on every page, and if he doesn't, people on that page must be asking themselves, where is Rogelzar? Yeah, and there was some interesting stuff with like Superman in our monologue and about how like. Um, I think Green Lantern asked him like one time, like, "Is what's it like? Do you like living in like actual hell?" And right. She's like, "What do you mean?" He's just like, "Because you can't turn it off. Like, right. you hear people screams all the time." And he's just like, first of all, I can. Yeah, I just I tune it out." He's like, "I just don't, and I never <laughs> will." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "But for him, like he he also like for him, it's like that he hears people trying and he hears the hope and right." Voice. And I was like, "That's a cool Superman moment. Yeah. If we could just get rid of." 
this stupid character. Right. That that is the but, like yeah. I think Bendis is like if everything is if we get him working. Yeah. You know, he's uh, that Rogozar is is Bendis's Jar Jar. Just Binks. whatever. But anyway, let's talk about the book that we actually all came to talk about. Yeah, let's call the four. Fantastic Four. Don't need no more. That's ungrammatical. I really like. God damn it! I don't know why. I really like Rivik's style. I really don't like how fleshy the inside of Things mouth is on this cover. So well, it's kind of like the Toxic Avenger. Like he has a toxic. He looks like the Toxic Avenger. He's got a Toxic Avenger face, which is only on my mind because. For those who don't know, uh, Troma filmed Toxic Avenger in like a t- nearby town for us. Yes, and there's a coffee shop. We could say my my hometown. Yeah, um, but like there's a coffee shop in that town now, and they have like a huge Toxic Avenger poster. Yes, and I love their coffee, so I went there today to mm-hmm. get a latte, and I, was, uh-huh. and I was just looking at him. I was like, there he is. Yeah. There, There's there Toxie. Is. They actually have a drink there named after him. I don't know what's in As it. Well, they should. I don't know what's in it. I don't know why you would name a drink that. I would never have that. But yeah. anyway, so that's why that's like fresh in my mind. It's yeah. It's just like, that looks like Toxic Adventure mm-hmm. face. It does. A little bit. So Fantastic bit. Four, uh, yeah. they're back. Kind of. Not. <laughs> uh, this is, of course, written by Dan Slott with art by Sarah Pacelli. Kind of. Well, it's like, it says it's by Dan Slott and Sarah Pacelli. Yeah, she must have helped write the story. I guess. And, but, like, I don't know. I, they're doing something interesting here where, like, the inkers are Sarah Pacelli and, and Elisabetta. So, like, I, the by might just be they just didn't bother to write writer and artist. Yeah. Because, like, there's no artist credit. Usually, if there's no artist credit, it means that the artist worked with the writer on the story. Okay. So, there you go. So, maybe she had some thoughts. She's such a delightful lady. I know we've talked about her. She's so times. great. She's so friendly, so nice. Yeah, if you ever want to get an, if you ever want to get an indication as sexy to what lady. that's like, I know it's like self-aggrandizing, but go to our channel and check out special edition NYC comic pop. Yeah, uh, we interview Sarah Pacelli, and Ben yeah. came up with a great little like system where he like asked a bunch of Ben questions. At yeah. the, he like was... he threw all of his personality at uh, at co- the comic book industry. Yeah, and some of them reacted in kind, and it was really nice. But yeah. she is. Just amazing. She really is. And I got so, to bust a little Italian on her. Like, I, I, I talked a little bit of Italian to yeah. her. And she was like, oh. And then she said in Italian, like, do you speak Italian? And I was like, no, I don't. You're like, no. I'm like, no, and my, my, my girlfriend is, yeah. is, is no, standing right next to me. I should probably stop. Well, no, it's okay. She's beautiful. She's <laughs> yeah. so beautiful. But yeah, she's I great. was like sitting there, I'm like. She's, yeah, she's cool. <laughs> and she can draw. <laughs> she's super talented, super lovely. Yeah. She's got everything. Yeah. And if Damn you ever meet her. Dan Slott at a convention, <laughs> he's nice too. So, uh, yeah, um, Fantastic Four. The idea is like, oh, you, you can you can jump in. You did the last one, so you, yeah. Oh, whatever. Um, All right. Well, well, yeah. it just literally it just starts off with like the it, it's this book is it's interesting because we did two books this week that were about seeking out a key part of what the book should be. Yes. Like Sandman Universe, we gotta find Dream. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna do a couple like, you know, fun ways that we're seeking to do that. Yep. And Fantastic Four, where Where's are Reed, the rest of them? Sue, and Franklin, and Valeria? Yep. Where are they? Mm-hmm. Um, and this opens up with just the like, what what are the Fantastic Four? And each right. individual's like, version of that, mm-hmm. and like, done in like, I guess in the past, basically. Like, yeah. What, what they meant to everybody in terms of this like, fun photo of, of uh, them all together. Yes. And just what it means to be them. And then we cut to um, the thing and um, Alicia, Alicia Masters. Yes. Uh, in this like marketplace, which is like, I've never... This is, I've seen this exact market. I've seen this exact market, but not with what they find there, which is like a literal box of kittens. Yeah, I'm I've never like, seen a box of kittens in my life. First of all, if I did that, I like if I found that, I would be in the box. Yes. With like all of them, because there's clearly like two dozen kittens there, and I would just be like... <laughs> I know. Um, this market is right off of Port Authority. Yes, yes, but there are not there are not usually kittens there, and it's just really it's a story of like the thing and Johnny kind of going about their day and like how the thing's like story is him like being with Alicia and like and going like, shopping and she's like she talks about like you know like how cute they are and wouldn't that be great and he's just like you yeah. don't want these running underfoot because she's blind. Yeah. Um, and he's like and she's like yeah but I thought we'd I mean I'd get some pets one day. Yeah, and he was like. We and like I love that image of the thing with like four kittens on him. Yep. Like and he's like, well, I guess you know, five or six cats can't hurt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The idea here being, of course, like that, like the thing is realizing what he needs, and Johnny is realizing what he's lost. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, of course, at the Mets game with Wyatt Wingfoot having a nice time. Yep. Uh, they're both of their 
like R&R. This, I guess, takes place after the Marvel 2-in-1 series by Zdarsky, which is, by the way, a way better Fantastic Four book than this comic. Yeah, this book, from, well, we'll get into it. Chip we'll, Zdarsky we'll, destroys that series, and it's like, it is it is a crime that he was not given this title afterwards. Yeah. But I feel like this was like, don't to, go to DC, here's Fantastic Four. Right, right, right. But anyway, uh, so, the fa- so they're interrupted by a signal flare that says Fantastic Four. Normally it's a four, but let's have it say Fantastic Four in the sky. Yeah, I mean, they do, they're like, it's the original one, so I don't know where he got that Yeah, it's an old one. Well, they they explain where the old one Yeah, 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 but like, I don't know where, like, like, that was a, that was a, it's either a deep dive or it's an incorrect dive. I'm not sure. Right. Um, but regardless, like, Johnny's like, I gotta go, and like, everyone's like, woo! And he like, takes off and flames on, and Mm -hmm. he flies off to, to find out where it is. And, like, Alicia's very aware of, like, that something is going on. Yeah. And, like, Ben is not doing anything. He puts all the kittens back, and he, like, you know, goes to a bench with her with all of his stuff, and, like, just has, like, this, like, heart-to-heart with her being just, like, they're not coming back. Right. Like, everyone's really excited right now because there's a thing, but, like, like I know that they're dead. Yeah, and it's not even just, like, that, like, you know, they put a lot of emphasis in this book on hope. And it's not like he like, has necessarily lost hope. It's more or less coming to the realization yeah. that like, he has to move on and live his life. Right, and, which like, is a good lesson to learn, by the way. And he, in fact, like has someone in his life where like, if he wasn't like letting go and moving on, it would like, impact that person. Yeah, like maybe I can actually have a life without the Fantastic Four. Right, or like, like waiting constantly yeah. for them and like and instead just moving on. And mm-hmm. so like... She's like, I'll always have hope because, like, you know, whatever. Like, they can come back. And he's just like, okay. And so Johnny arrives on the scene of where the, the flare was, like, like ignited. And, like, because he, when he gets there, he, like, on his way, he's like, oh, I wonder who we're going to be fighting. Is it this or that or whatever? Yeah, like, like he's, refer- he's, he's, yeah. He's, like, in, like, denial like you wouldn't believe Well, he's it. also, like, referring to, like, what the audience is doing, too. Like, oh, the Fantastic Four are back. I know this because I'm buying a book called Fantastic Four. Right. I wonder who the villain's going to be in this one. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's in sh- he's in severe denial. He's in incredible denial when he shows up. There's a couple of kids there, and they they like the Yancey Street Gang, and like yep. they stole the flare and shot it off, and like mm-hmm. he's furious with them, like as though like you know he wants them to be punished to the utmost of the law. Yes, and like so they're brought to the police station, and um, and they are defended by Jennifer Walters. It was like, which by the way, like. Great use yeah. of Jen Walters. First of all, former member of the Fantastic Four. Yep. So I hope, and also former main character that Dan Slott kind of like made his bones writing. Right. He wrote a great She-Hulk series that was woefully canceled. <laughs> um, and hopefully this is a good sign of She-Hulk getting back on track. Right. But in any case, she's not She-Hulk, by the way. She's Jennifer Walters' yeah, lawyer. she's just there. And like she's just like, look, they're like they're children. They're idiots. Mm-hmm. They... Like, nothing's gonna happen. Yeah, well, they and, did like, break into a building and they did steal property. Right, so well, they will except, be punished. Except Johnny doesn't even realize that. Yeah. And, like, she's like, and they, and they, the charges have been dropped against them for, like, breaking in. He's like, by who? Right. When it's like, who do you think? Yeah, exactly. Like, Ben hired her to come up, like, come down here. Cause, like, he, I think he's, like, in a way had enough of Johnny, but he knows he can't, like, stop yeah. Johnny from being this way. Well, he went on this huge, like, glo- like dimension-hopping adventure with him. Yeah. Where Johnny, every step of the way, was like, we're going to find them in this adventure. And Ben knowing, it's knowing not... in his heart of hearts that they're not coming back. Exactly. And um, so then we see um, Ben go to um, this house. This place? I don't understand where it came from, but, like, it's basically just, it's... like... A safe house yeah, where they keep Yancey some of their stuff. Street. Yeah, it's on Street. Might be Ben's old apartment. It Who could knows? be. Um, but, like, on the wall, there's just a bunch of, like, mementos. Basically. Yes. Nothing of great importance, like, nope. other than or, sentimentality. Yeah, they're either depowered or they never had power exactly. to begin with. Exactly. And he's <laughs> and he's there with uh, the caretaker, caretaker Shecky, mm-hmm. um, and he pulls out this box. And he's just like, there's just one thing here. And, like, he, we get a little flashback to this adventure. Yep. Um, where, like, the Fantastic Four and Alicia Masters <laughs> were, like... They were done with their adventure, and they were trying to find their way home. Mm-hmm. And they had met this in, like this character named like Andromica. Yeah, Ast- a- Astronomica. Astronomica. I made up my own name, mm-hmm. Astronomica, and how she's just like, yeah, I've got this like cool orb in the like the top of my staff here, and yeah. like in order to get home, like we like one of you have to one of you has to power it up. And Sue's like, which one of us do you need? And she's like, not like that. Who's the best singer? Right. 
Which is funny because Johnny, of course, had sung earlier on, and of course in the cartoon show. Yes, of course. If you're um, unfamiliar, Johnny Storm is an incredible singer on the animated series. No, he's not. <laughs> but um, only if he's voiced by Brian Austin Green. Yeah, and Reed's just like, no, it makes sense because like we all like resonate to our dimensions and blah blah blah. Yeah, just, like that. Like the the singer has to sing to the vibrations of their own. Universe. Yeah, and there's this kind of cute character moment where like we see each of the people who are on the the ship part of the Fantastic Four answer who they think is the best singer, mm-hmm. and Sue's like me, and everyone else is like Johnny, including Johnny, who's like me, and she's. Yeah, and she, like, learns a big lesson about herself and about, like, people around her. <laughs> about how nobody likes her singing. Yeah. And she thinks she's really good at it. Yep. Which is actually a cute character moment. It is a cute character moment. I, I kind of enjoyed that. Because it's just so, like, it just brings you back to that whole family dynamic. So, um, you know, Johnny ends up singing Don Cushane, Yep. Um, and he sings it all the way home. Because Slot's a big Ferris Bueller fan. Right. And it's probably also, there's only certain songs they can use. They could use whatever they want, I'm sure. I, I, I think they pay for certain things. But anyway, um, so he sings Don Cushane, they end up home, and um, at the end of the day, they end up sending Astronomica back, and, like, she gives, like, like Galadriel, she gives Ben a, a piece of her staff as a gift. And it's just, yes. like, it's one of the things where it's just, like, this will always find, like, your way home kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, are they going to use this inevitably? Or is right. this just, like... Just a, a just framing a, device. Yeah, like, is it just something fun to have, or is this what is going to help bring forth the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, like Ben's like, I got something to do and I'm going to go on my biggest adventure ever. And it's yes. really cute because I'm like, oh, he's going to go find them. No, we go to Alicia Masters' home where like, there's like 12 different kittens. Like she ended up getting... She three, got the kittens. She got three kittens. She's just... Oh no, she got two. She's going to name one Rocky and one Adrian. Yes. Um, cute. Okay. And so when she opens the door because she like, Ben shows up, like uh, he's like down here. Yeah, because she way. can't... Yeah. yeah, and he's like, of course, on one knee and like... He has a little ring and the biggest bouquet of flowers possible. And um, he just says, Alicia Masters, will you? And she, he doesn't even yes. finish the question. And she's like, yeah, like, obviously. Yeah. So then they go. Well, she, he uses the, 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 the little, the the little thing. Thingy. Because, like, she is his, like, way home. Yeah. Because, like, in a way, she is his home. And well, it's just, it's she's so, the only home he has left. It's, so, it's just so sweet. It's yeah. just, it's, so, it's such a nice moment for the two of them. Um, and then they uh, go to a rooftop, like, dining place where, like, they want to tell Johnny that, the like, they're going to get married. And he married. wants to ask him a very important question. Exactly. So, like, there's a little bit of excitement, and he's just like, you know, like, we like we were friends at first, but now we're family, and I can't think of anyone else that I'd like to have be my best man. Mm-hmm. And this is where the book loses me. <laughs> this is the moment that I'm just like, Slot, you don't have to write this character like this. Yeah. You don't have to make him this much of a petulant child. Where he's just he's like, like, no, but Johnny's the child of the team. He screams no, makes it like this awkward scene where it's all about like how he's just like, if anyone was going to be your best man to be Reed Richards, you two literally just went on crazy adventures. And like, didn't find him. No, and like they've always been like really super great friends. It's just like, I don't understand how this is so at off like base <coughs> for, for me to ask. For me, it was... um. It was kind of appropriate because, like, Reed Richards is Ben Grimm's best friend. Yes. And if Johnny doesn't accept that they are not dead, then I would accept that. Right. Um, I also feel like... Sorry, something blew into my mouth. <laughs> and, uh, but, like, the, the... This is a very awkward scene. And yes. it's awkward in its execution and awkward in its content because Johnny and Alicia used to bang. Okay. So, like, there is some awkwardness, and oh, there is sure. a little bit of rejection of this as well, even though he should be happy for him, and he probably is, I'm sure of it. Well, it's but, like, not... there is there is a lot, there's, there's tension in this sequence. Yes. And you also need to hit a bunch of notes. Sure. One of them being that, like, Johnny and Ben really don't get along on a regular basis. Like, they always, there's always a fight between the two of them. Right. So, like, we need to manufacture one. It, it is very awkward, and it's very well, cl- really, it's what, clunky. It's clunky it because of the way in which he does it. If you're going to have him say no, <coughs> if you're going to have him say no, that's not the way to do it. He doesn't scream in the middle of a public place when being told about, like, an incredible change and moment in these two people's lives. Yeah. Like, but he screams no, and it's just wholly inappropriate and, like, it really betrays a lack of respect that Johnny has for these two well, individuals. Could, it, well, it, for me, it works because he is like, his no is not at Ben. His no is at the reality of the situation. Right. That Ben's moving on. Right. He's like, and Johnny's not ready to. Ben is, ben is like, this This represent for Johnny. But there's no way he doesn't know that. And yeah, like, I know. And I, like, think, I think it's just, again, he could have just left. But and just, that he's been saying enough. no to the situation. I he's understand. saying no to reality. I just, though. I didn't feel it was 
I felt it was it amped up a little quickly. You know what I mean? Like, I agree. Like it was just like so, just like oh man, you're getting married, and that's kind of cool. It could have been like a that. really beautiful sequence if he just if he just flew away. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like there were so many other ways this could have been handled where it, you still would have gotten your point across, but you would have lost this like what? Yeah. Like I don't know. I just. Yeah. I don't know. By the way, she was, uh, she, uh, he was with her, and then they swapped, and she, it was Lija, and that's where Lija's uh, egg came from. Right. Lija the Skrull. Right, but uh, but, but still, I mean, There like, was some history there. Right, but I mean, he still thought he was yeah. banging her. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Regardless it doesn't of help. her not, you know. No, but yeah, it would have been, been better if, instead of this full page where he says no, it was just, he flies away, and Alicia's like, maybe it's because of our history, and he's like, it ain't that. And then yeah. you get to the next scene. Where Johnny flies away and then yeah. he screams at the heavens and he just says, like, you need to show me that you're that, that you're that you're alive. Yeah. Which by the way, like, I don't know if the next sequence Oh, but th- there is no sign and Johnny goes back and Right. Says, like, it's I'm sorry. it's just so like <coughs> rapid. Yes. For him. Like and I get it, people go through the stages of grief completely differently. So mm-hmm. like maybe that's kind of what he's saying is that like right. because Johnny is such a hothead, things kind of bubble to a surface so quickly. But he's known that Ben has kind of been If only there hadn't been an entire series of them doing like and like maybe <laughs> Slot's not paying attention to that necessarily. I don't know. But like these few pages I was like, Whoa, we are getting through this really quickly. Yes. And then it doesn't even matter. Right. Which is like what is kind of frustrating as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, this emotional breakthrough doesn't mean anything. No. Because at the end of the day, they do, like... He is right. Yeah, and, and like, <laughs> I will say what I enjoy about this panel, though, is that we get to see that big, ridiculous, fan, like, Mr. Fantastic... Machine. Like, machinery, where it's just like, the sure! Positively John Bernie in its, <laughs> in its, what does this do? Why is it doing Yeah, that? why are there tubes? Um, yeah. But that, like, essentially, like, Reed and Sue are, are trying to create a signal. Yes. So that they know that they're there. Yeah. Um... And, like, it's a big four. Right. In the sky. And then we get to see some reactions. Uh, I, by the way... The only it, one that doesn't work for me, I'm like, when is this taking place? Right. In terms of what's going on with the Inhumans. Yeah. Like, uh, Medusa's like, oh, good. Maybe they can save us from our annihilation from the Kree. Um, by the way, like, no Spider-Man. Yeah, that's I get that Dan Slott's trying to be like, meh, the Spider-Man fandom called me to get fucked. But, yeah. like... Spider-Man is the it's, Fantastic Four. He's a huge part of it, and he should have been a part of it. should have been there. And, and the fact that, that Dan Slott, like, pretends to love him so much, like, Yeah, I, it's, it's very thing. bizarre. The one thing I do like is, of course, Luke Cage. Yeah, uh, we, we got, like, and by the way, no Jen. Oh, no, Jen was there, too. Yeah. So we got, like, former members of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, well, they had done the, the interviews with them, and these are the people that they did the interviews with yes. earlier, so, you <clears throat> That's know. That's true. Sure. And Spider-Man wasn't in that interview either, right? No, he was not. It's pretty, pretty, no, pretty it was, obvious. It was Medusa, Crystal, Luke Cage, Jen Walters... Somebody else. Somebody else. Yeah. But we got uh, but we got this beautiful sequence of, uh, of a big four. Yeah, a big, four. yeah. A, a big signal that says, like, come get us. Yeah. And then there's a backup about Doctor Doom. Which I kind of enjoyed. Like, it was cool, but I was like, we did, I forgot we wrecked his face again. Yeah. God damn it. It's real wrecked. But, like, the idea of, like, that's on his face anyway, and who cares? And, like, yeah. I, the idea of, like, not even him necessarily becoming a villain, but, like, becoming a savior of his people. Like, just that whole, like, we need Doom. And that's, you a, have that's to have so in keeping with the character, it worked out great. It's yeah. A, it's a fun little backup. It is. It's funny, because, like, for me, like, again, like, the Johnny stuff, like, maybe over time, like, with the progression of this book, that'll grow on me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, having heard so much about two-in-one, like, I was just like, all right, this is weird. Hit, the stuff with Ben Grimm I thought was really well done. Yeah. It was like he really understood the character. Just these quiet, beautiful moments between two people talking about, like, honoring those who have come and, like, what best to do. And, like, I just thought that was really nice and really well handled. And then to see him write Doom like that and, like, understand the, the plight of Latveria. Like, yeah. like, the, like, the necessity for <clears throat> being under the reign of Doom. Right. But, like, also, like, being like, yeah, but you know he's not a good guy. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. They also like, threw away the whole uh, Iron Man angle. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So. All right. Just, just like, it, it was kind of a mixed bag for me. Yeah. With this. But, like, again, I loved the Ben Grimm stuff. Not just because there was cats. No, but it was great. But that helped. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then there's a one-page backup that's inv- invoking the mi- the Mixus Pitlick sequence from American Alien. Yes. Um, where it's Impossible Man breaking the fourth wall and saying, like, I can't believe that they didn't come back at the end of it. Maybe they'll come back in the next one. That sucks, but fine, whatever. Yeah. And this will be, I think, Dan Slott's, like, <clears throat> either it is a one-page, like, wee, I got to work with Scotty Young and do this fun thing. Right. Or it will be his way of working out his problem with his fan base. Could be. Absolutely. Uh, because Impossible Man says all the things that, you know, yeah. the fans are going to say to him. 
Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what'd you think of this issue overall? Um, like I said, it was kind of a mixed bag. I, 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 you know, I definitely am interested to see more, if nothing else, to see him writing Ben Grimm because that is really my, like, where Your I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed, like, <coughs> his take on it. And, like, just, I'm kind of interested to see how things will progress now, knowing that the, like, the Fantastic Four are back and then his responsibilities will be back to them. And, like, mm-hmm. how is that going to work out in terms of, the development of at the beginning of this book. Yeah. Um, and also just interested to see like if he is going to like make doom quickly a villain or like see if it just ends up going that way. I think it'll absolutely be a villain. So, you know, we'll see. Um, I'm like, I am interested, but yeah. Also, I was, uh, I was surprised by, uh, Sarah Pacelli's pencils. Uh, normally I love them. And in this one, they felt pretty loose. Well, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I know exactly what, what it is. What is it? Uh, if you compare this book with, say, Spider-Man 2, yeah. which was a terrible series, but a great-looking book. Yes. Uh, there were two reasons why that book looked... Or there were... There was... Uh, there, there were two reasons why that book looked great, and this book did not. Okay. Uh, Sarah Pacelli did her own inks on that book, yeah, this... and Justin Ponzer did the colors. I was literally about to say that someone else did like inks with her, which meant that she probably didn't have enough time to finish her inks. Yes. And you definitely notice that there's a shift in inks like partway through the book, mm-hmm. and so she may have been rushing through them originally, yep. and so someone else had to take over. But like her <clears throat> her work, I think, is often best like when done she, by herself. She, yeah, when she's able to control that. Yes. Uh, it was not her strongest work. No. And that's too bad, because she's great. She is great. She really uh, is. Yeah, Elizabeth Elizabetta D'Amico did not do her anything. Right, it could also just be she didn't have enough time either. I think like, that's what it probably depends was. On... But that's like, but then get the damn book done. I know. Like, what are you doing? I know. This book doesn't have to come out at any time. It can yeah. come out whenever. Yeah. You don't have to like fast track it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and and Marta Gracia, color, whatever. Right. To, you know, I think they were trying to do like a Ribic thing where they were like, oh, it's kind of like watercolors, like, but not really. But like, I get it. No, didn't, I don't, it, it, I don't it's see that not, like, just get Ponzer. I think he's sick. Oh, yeah, that's right. Then get the other guy. There's another guy who but I get like. Get the other guy. I can't remember. Get him. that guy. But you know who where he, you know where he is. Uh, he's in the special edition NYC video we did. Oh, that's right. That's the other, the other colorist that I like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right? Yeah. yeah. What's his name? He's got red hair and a yep, beard. Yep, it's exactly who it He's is. Super cool. He's anyway, super cool. let's jump into the super chats. <clears throat> um, there we go. Uh, Silver Cricket. In this issue of Superman, Batman pooped his pants, and Bendis doesn't know who the current Flash is. I'm not joking, but joking about any. Yeah, of this. I kind of scrolled to the bottom too. of that. Yeah, I was like, what? <clears throat> now, as I understand it, the colorist screwed up, but Bendis probably wrote Wally instead of Barry because he doesn't pay attention. Yeah. Because the colorist drew the gave. The idea is Superman saves Barry, and uh, they drew Wally West instead. Right. I feel like they, they DC needs to put a team of editors on, on Bendis, Bendis books. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, you can't just have one. As I understand it, I read an interview with Bendis, and he said that basically that he he likened it to that they will clear the road for him. Oh Lord. That everyone that whatever he wants to do, everyone will clear a path to let him do what he wants to do, and they better for the price tag he came with. Uh, Mr. Roboto, what do you suppose Reed and Sue were doing anyway? Well, they were rebuilding the universe, and that was a fine uh, reason to be gone, but it looks like they were, like, stuck somewhere, and their clothes were, I, were torn, so yeah, I like, guess not. This is what's kind of confusing to me, because it just seemed like the reason they weren't there was because they had a greater responsibility to the universe. Yes. And now I'm just like... Now we're going to have a half ass chase across the galaxy, like we just did. Yeah, I guess so. Fine. Uh, and uh, Bryant Baller, I just read volume one of Marvel 2 and 1 and loved it. Yeah, he nice. did, because it's great. <laughs> uh, Jam Call X, this reminded me of the rock slide joke from FF2. Woof. <laughs> uh, Mr. Roboto, uh, Reed Richards, smartest man, why is Alicia blind? Right? Exactly. Like, I, I think because she's like, I don't deserve to have, like, super science used on me. Yeah, like, she... just so I can, like, like, why don't you make this available for everybody? Right. Then. You know, you, you don't pull that thread or you pull apart the entire Marvel Universe. <laughs> and Edu uh, McLean, uh, what do you like better, Marvel or DC? Uh, I consider Marvel and DC to be uh, a yin and yang. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, like, you can't have one without the other. When I was growing up, I was a hardcore Marvel kid. Yeah. But as I got older and started to, like, view the comic book industry as, like, a thing, like, yeah. a, a, like an entity, I realized that you can't have one without the other. No. And that's why I like, like, those... That's why I, I have a... I, I, I kind of, like... Hero worship the crossovers, even though they're all horrible. Yeah, because, because like I, it represents a coming of a coming togetherness of like you need them. Yeah, you need each other. Yeah, they oh, feed absolutely. into each other. Absolutely, uh, image. 
Right. <laughs> no, it's just I. I it, it, for me, it's not about the, like who's behind the publishing as long as the story's good. Exactly. It doesn't matter. No, I agree. I yeah. have no like. It, it's not even a brand loyalty thing. I just no. I just want the stories. I, want. I, I have expectations of those brands. Oh, where I'm like, You know, you should hit this level. Certainly. Uh, and that's why, like, Top Shelf, Dark Horse, and Image always beat them for some reason. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to like, oh, this is really printed well. Why can't you do this? You have yeah. all this money and, and, and influence. <laughs> uh, you've been doing it for longer. I don't understand why you can't do it better. Right. Um, but in any case, uh, I like them both equally. Yes. I guess that's a cop out answer, but I don't care. Uh, but we want to thank you all so much for hanging out. Uh, yeah, this ended up not being a shorter, shorter episode. episode. Do you have any um, recs? Uh, Extermination comes out next week or this week. Uh, it will continue to move towards the future of the X-Men. I don't think it will be as influential as I expect uh, the Uncanny X-Men 10-part miniseries to be. Okay. Uh, if you're not familiar, Uncanny X-Men is going to go into like a 10-part story called Disassembled. Really? Yep. And uh, Wolverine's not in it, but that's weird. But, like, in any case, it will lead to one big writer working on the Uncanny title. Okay. And everyone who's working on X-Men right now, except for X-Men Red, will be working on the Uncanny book. Oh. So, I don't know what Extermination is going to do. Probably take all the young X-Men and put them the hell away. Okay. But either way, it's it's. It, I think it's a four-issue miniseries, so, like, check it out. Okay. Um, I'll read the first issue. And I'll probably read Infinity Wars number two. Um, everybody raked me over the coals over my review of Infinity Wars one before. Uh, I don't care and I stand by it, but uh, I'm going to read issue two and see how it goes. There you go. Um, that's why, look, that's why we have so many different books, guys. Because, yeah. like, everybody has different tastes and different expectations of books. And, like, if we didn't, everything would be the same. We'd have, like, two <clears throat> comics and that would be it. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Right. Um, for me, it's a magical week. Uh, Magic Order number three comes out, written by Mark Miller with art by Olivia Quipel. You yep. know I love it, so just just take my word for it. It's like six issues. Just just go get it. Yeah. Um, and then from Marvel, um, I guess it's a, a, a recommendation. I'm, I've kind of been on board um, for Doctor Strange by Mark Waid, so I'm definitely checking out the next one. Yeah. Uh, so she goes, I don't think this will be a tie-in. I don't mm, think so. I don't know. Good. I'm going to say. I don't remember. But yeah, I'm going I'm to check it out. Magic. Totally. Do it. Um, <laughs> so before we go, see us on Wednesday at 7 p.m. See us on September 15th on Saturday at the Keystone Comic Con we really want to meet you and see you there and yeah. we want to we want to blow the doors off this convention they invited us out they to did. be there they it's gave just, us a panel sight unseen it's very crazy let's, let's make it like not let's make them not regret it yeah and maybe we'll see you in Baltimore right uh, Edu McLean by the way another donation love your channel thank, thank you, you we do appreciate it and we'll see you guys next time with another episode of The Rack if you are waiting for the purple show probably not going to do that today she's not feeling great well we might but uh, stay keep your Stay tuned to, to, to your Twitter account yeah. for an announcement. That's uh, right. That's twitter.com slash therealzoobs. You do not need an account to watch or look at the, the, the tweets, but no. keep an eye on them for the next like two hours. Yep. Uh, and th that's where she'll make an announcement. Yes. Um, as to whether she's feeling up to it. I don't want to speak for her, so, you know. Thanks. I, I but, appreciate uh, it. We'll see you guys next time with another episode of Off the Rack. Thank you all for hanging out with us. And, of course, uh, by the way, you can also catch this on the audio version if you subscribe to us on iTunes and on Podbean and Stitcher and wherever podcasts are found, nice. it's under the Elseworlds Exchange podcast. Oh. So I like throw out a bonus episode of Elseworlds every week. If you listen to Elseworlds, you know about this already. But if you don't listen to Elseworlds already, first of all, you should because it's a great show. Mm -hmm. uh, but you should also subscribe to the channel on the audio version to catch this show while also you know getting a bunch of other new shows. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys then. Thanks a lot for watching. And uh, that's all. Bye. <laughs>